Hallelujah. Indeed, the last few days have been wonderful. We have had good fellowship. We have heard from the Word of God. I have been very blessed even listening to the teachings that have been going on, but also to be together in the time of prayer and just experience the presence of God together. It's been a real blessing, and I look forward to many other times God will allow us to do that. I bring you greetings from Uganda, from the Africa Prayer Mountain for all nations, as well as from my family. My wife should have been here with me. We had planned to travel together. Unfortunately, her dad went very, very ill and uh, was hospitalized. We couldn't just leave him like that. If you remember to pray for us, just lift up her dad in prayer that God will intervene. Um, as Pastor has mentioned, the core of what we do in our ministry is very much around prayer. Now, prayer to some people is just a means of going to God and tell him what you need and wait for him to provide. But we have come to discover prayer to be much more than that. That prayer is literally the envelope in which our relationship with God is packaged. And I have it on my heart today to share with you about the Lord's Prayer. Because the disciples came to the Lord and said, Master, teach us how to pray. And he went ahead and taught them a prayer, very short prayer, that he said, this, when you pray, pray in this manner. And many times we are confused whether that is all we're supposed to do in prayer or there is much more. So I'll ask you to go with me, please, to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. And we shall read from verse 5. It says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the streets, street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be hard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and you, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. Loving Father, we lift up your holy name to worship you. 
to exalt you and magnify you and to rejoice in you, Father, that you have made us your own and called us your children. Thank you, Father, for putting it in our hearts to come in your house this morning to worship you. And so, so we pray that you will minister to us by the power of your word. Let your spirit impart unto us, each one of us the word of wisdom, revelation, and understanding. And Father, above all, we pray that you give us the ability to go forth and bear fruit and let our fruits abide. We ask all this in faith. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. So permit me to start on the, the concept of prayer. What exactly is prayer? And what is the purpose of prayer? To many people, prayer is like a shopping list. You make a list of all your needs and what you want God to provide. You make a list of all your struggles and challenges and how you want God to change that and make it better for you. Then you go to God. You tell him, Father, I need this, and I need this, and I need this. Will you please provide? And Father, I'm going through this struggle here, and I'm going through this situation here. Will you please intervene and change? I want you to do it this way. And I want you to produce this kind of result. I will thank you and I'll bless you, Lord, when you do it. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. And that is it. But prayer, according to the scriptures and the Lord Jesus Christ, is far from that. First of all, he tells us that your father already knows what you need, even before you ask. So prayer is not a means of bringing information to God about what you need. He already knows that. Prayer is not a platform for you to tell God what struggles you're going through and how you want him to intervene. He already knows that. He knows your struggles. He knows why they are there. He knows how they can be solved. And he knows what he can do and what he can lead you to do to make things better. So if it was just to bring him information, that is already done. It's a redundant need. So in that case, if he already knows, then why do we have to go to him to pray? Then why doesn't he just provide? Have you heard people say when there are calamities or disasters and natural problems, and people say, why does God allow this? Why does God allow this to happen? And why didn't God stop it? In other words, if he already knows it's coming and it's going to destroy lives, why didn't he stop it? It's almost like your computer. It preempts you. It sees the problem and it moves ahead of you. That's not what God purposed to do. And that's not how God wants to relate with us. So the whole concept of prayer is different from what most of us consider it to be. So, what is prayer then? In the simplest words, I will say, prayer is supposed to be fellowship and communion between us 
and him. Fellowship and communion between us and him. Now, when we use the word communion in the normal day-to-day -day language of human beings, we would say it's a time of being together. It's a time of interacting. It's a time of just being there for one another. And if you have a friend or you have your spouse, your husband or your wife, it's not a, that you only talk to them when you have needs to ask them to meet. No, there are times we just want to be with them. You talk to them because they are part of your life. You enjoy to talk with them and to hear them. Sometimes you just come back in the evening and say, hey, how was your day? And you're interested to hear what they went through, what they experienced, what challenged them. Not so much that you may solve it, just so much that you may have communion, fellowship, talk together, share life. And brother, sister, prayer is primarily fellowship and communion with the Father. It has got it doesn't have to be all about needs. It doesn't have to be about asking all the time. There are times we just go before him just to be with him. Just like people who love each other come together to be together and just spend time together. If you love somebody and you are not home, after your busy schedule, you want to get your private and take a phone and call, hey, how are you? How are you doing? Is everything fine with you? Oh, this is what happened with me. You are not telling them so that they can come and do something for you or you want to go and do something for them. You just want to connect. You just want to interact. You just want to make contact with them and feel them and hear them and experience their love. And that is prayer between us and God. I was, I minister, I've ministered with several people and some people tell me that prayer is not their calling. Prayer is not their gifting. I was with a, a man from South Africa and we went together to United Kingdom to minister together. I had just come to know him and we were getting to know each other. So I liked his temperament, I liked his way. So I said, will you join me? I'm going to UK. And he said, oh yes, I'll come along. And he was a prophet. He would, his way of ministry would be to preach for about 10, 15 minutes and then he would start prophesying to people, speaking to people's lives and say, the Lord says to you this, the Lord says to you that. And he did ministry, I did ministry. Then in the evening we went to our hotel and I said, oh, can we spend some time together to pray? I said, brother, prayer is not my gift. Prayer is not my office. I thought he was joking. Somehow I didn't understand. I let it go. The next day, the same thing happened. Third day, I said, brother, let me understand. What do you mean when you say prayer is not your calling? Prayer is not your gift. Prayer is not your office. He said, no, everybody is called to something. Some people are called to be evangelists. Some are called to be pastors. Some are called to be this and that. And some are called to be intercessors. I'm not an intercessor. I said, okay, but prayer is not always intercession. 
And I said, well, I'm, I'm not called to pray. And that's when I said, what do you call prayer? What is prayer to you? I said, prayer is a ministry. Prayer is intercession. You lift up people's needs. You pray for them. and you, That is your calling. And you can tell he did not understand prayer at all. It's like having a spouse, your wife or your husband, and they come home and say, darling, I love you so much, but I'm not, filled, I don't, I'm not called to talk to you. <laughs> I don't feel the gift of talking to you, so just let's have it that way. This, as I said, prayer is communion. Prayer is fellowship. Prayer is two people who love each other spending time together. And would you accept a spouse who tells you they are not called to talk to you? No. No way. You say, can we sit down and talk? What do you mean by you are not going to talk to me? How do I spend time with you? How do I know you? How do we walk together when we cannot talk to each other? One of the most painful things in marriage is when two spouses are not talking. They pretend everything is okay. It's painful. It's unbearable. And I want, to remember, I want you to remember that God says, I am your husband. I am your creator. Indeed, your husband. So if we do not want to talk to him, we are creating that same tension that we create in home when we don't talk to each other as spouses. The whole house is tense. Even people who come home may not mention it, but they feel it. They feel it when you are not really communicating to each other. They know something is wrong here. And they don't want to be around you. They want to leave. And this, is that the, the situation, the, the relationship we, have, we want to have with God? Relationship which is so uncomfortable, so tense, so unloving? Prayer is not only a communion and a fellowship. It's also a means for us to get to know each other better and better Every day. If you remember what is written in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 18, we shall read there very quickly. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. God says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now that is, uh, that is in the New International Version. I want to read it again in the New King James. In New King James, it says, come now and let us reason together. The Almighty God is calling us and says, come, let us reason together. When we talk about reasoning together, it means, tell me how you see it. I want to hear you tell me how you see things. Then I'll also tell you how I see things. Tell me why it should be the way you think it should be. Then I'll also tell you why I think it should be the way I think it should be. Tell me how you feel about it, 
And I'll also tell you how I feel about it. It's about, can we feel each other? Can, we, can I hear your heart? Will you hear my heart? That's prayer. It's not just about, oh Lord, do this, amen. No, it's about, let's hear each other's hearts. That, it's not because God does not know your heart, but you don't know his heart. And in order for him to make you know his heart, he's willing to listen to your heart. So he says, okay, tell me, tell me, let me listen to you. Why would you think I should do that? Why do you think things should be different? Present your case. Explain your way of seeing it. And then I will respond to you. Have you ever been in prayer and you told God, please God, do this. After all, your word says this. You promised this. So I expect this. And God would say to you, yes, my word says that. But in another place, my word also says this. And when you look at what you are going through, you are not submitting to this word. In other words, you are seeing it from one angle, but I'm seeing it from all angles. And there, there's an angle you are not seeing. So I want to help you to see all angles. Okay, I see what you're saying, but what about this? And when you look at that, you say, oh, oh my God, okay, I had not looked at it that way. He says, uh-huh. Can we now re-examine the situation? So as you are talking, you are reasoning it out together. You are presenting your case and you are hearing his case. And how does he speak when someone may say, I've never heard the voice of the Lord? That's okay. God speaks in so many different ways, through so many different gifts. But there are two things that are common to all believers. One, scriptures. When we are interacting with God, trying to talk to God, he drops scriptures into our hearts. A scripture drops in your heart and it speaks. And sometimes it stops you in what you're saying. Say, okay, okay, I remember also this verse says this. And suddenly you realize it contradicts what you're trying to argue with God. So you step back and say, okay, okay, Lord, I know your word says this. And you begin to adjust or another way God speaks to us is by conviction. And every child of God is able to receive conviction of the Holy Spirit. Conviction is when you have that strong urge in your heart towards a certain direction. You may want to go, but then there is a, an urge in your heart that says, don't go. It's not good for you to go now. And it's like every reason for me to go is there, but my heart my heart is not willing to go. My heart is holding back. Or you are meeting somebody and uh, you greet them and suddenly in your heart you get that urge. Give them the money you have in your pocket. Say, no, I have needs. I'm going to use this money for the shopping. My home needs all this. And the urge is strong. Give them the money. That's what we call conviction. The Holy Spirit uses conviction to direct us. And it is not always according to reason. It just says, do it, do it. And we, if we are willing and humble and we have trained ourselves to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he simply says, okay, I don't know why I should do this, but I will do it. And you take the money and give it to them because of the conviction. Now, if we really Pay attention to those two things. And I want to say to this to you, there's no way we can pray effectively without listening to those two things. 
Scriptures, conviction. That's the thing we need to train ourselves to be sensitive to. As you're talking to God, be always sensitive. What scriptures come into your heart? What scriptures drop in your mind? Two, what convictions come to you as you pray? I want to remind you, I'm talking about why prayer. If God already knows what we need, then why pray? We pray because prayer is not just a shopping list to tell him about your needs. Prayer is a time of communion and fellowship with him. It's a time of getting to know him and him getting you to understand him better. It's a time also of change. And we will never change God any. We will never change God. So it's not about changing God. It's about changing us. Because we come in sincerity to tell him what we think should be and how it should be. But then the Lord says, okay, I can hear you. But what about this scripture? What about what my, my word says? And then we begin to adjust our own way of seeing things. We say, okay, Lord, I accept that. I'm willing to look at it differently. By the time you finish prayer, maybe you came in looking this direction. You live looking this direction. Why? Because of the scriptures that have come and ministered to your heart and the convictions of the Holy Spirit that have come your way. So then prayer should be a very, very wonderful experience because you never know what God is going to do to you, how he's going to change you, and what you're going to come out as a better person. But you come to him knowing when I meet with him, when I talk with him, when I fellowship with him, he does things to me. He changes me. He makes me a better person. He makes me understand life better. He gives me wisdom. And he makes me a conqueror and a victorious person. If everybody understood that, then we all would be treasuring prayer. Because prayer is not just telling him what you think. Prayer is an interaction that will do things to you. That will change you into a better person. Can I hear an amen? Now, coming back, Jesus said to his disciples, when you pray, pray in this manner. I was in one place and someone asked me, Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. The prayer does not spend, take even a minute. Why do we have to hold these one hour long prayer meetings? The Lord's prayer is just one minute. Why do we have to come here and spend an hour in prayer? That's not what Jesus taught us. If we just repeat what Jesus taught us, that is being obedient to Jesus, and we would be done and gone. Have you ever wondered about that? Or have you ever been in a problem, in a situation that is difficult, and you really wanted God to come and intervene? And you wanted to talk to God and really pour out your heart and tell him about the situation and seek understanding, seek guidance, seek breakthrough. And you felt saying the Lord's prayer is not enough. If you just came to him and says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And you finish and say, Amen. Would you walk away? with all the challenges in your life pressing upon you, the burdens and the fears and the anxiety, you feel, no, I want to 
talk more. I want to explain more. I want him to feel me and I want to feel him. In other words, we are saying the Lord's Prayer is not adequate. The Lord's Prayer does not meet my need. The Lord's Prayer does not express my heart. Why did Jesus teach us this prayer when it does not really work in times of trial? When, why did he give us this prayer when it does not express the fullness of what we want to pour out unto the Father? That alone should tell us our understanding of the Lord's Prayer is faulty. Because Jesus would never give us something that is inadequate, that is dysfunctional. So maybe we need to come back to the concept of the Lord's Prayer in a different way. What exactly did he mean? He was not giving us a prayer to pray. He was giving us a manner in which to pray. And in some Bibles it's clear. He says, pray therefore in this manner. Pray therefore in this style, in this approach, in this when you come, this is the way you should approach God. This is the way you should present your case. And therefore, every sentence in the Lord's Prayer is a step teaching us what to do and how to do it. It's not just a prayer in itself that when you say it, then it's done. It's, it's a way, a manner in which to express ourselves. So let me first of all break it down in, a, in the simplest way. It's not the only way you could find even a more comprehensive way. But this is for the purpose of this morning. Let's break it down and say, okay, what then does it mean? He says, when you come before him, say, our father who art in heaven. First and foremost, he is saying to us, remind yourself, refresh your understanding. Remember that he, you and him have got a relationship. At one time, you were not his child. You were lost. You were dead in your sins. You were, you were not a people. And your people were not his people. He did not call your people his people. Only the Jews were his people. You and I were not his people. He called us Gentiles. He called us the peoples of the world. And he would say to the Jews... Do not do the things that the Gentiles do. Do not do the things that the nations do. They are abominable. They are unacceptable to me. You are my people. I am your God. We were not included in the economy of the kingdom. We were lost. We were justifiably condemned to eternal destruction. We deserved it because we had fallen in as mankind. But in his love... In his mercy, when we did not deserve it, when we did not even ask for it, we didn't even realize we needed it. In his compassion, he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to come and pay the ransom for us, to come and pay for us to be set free from our condemnation and be redeemed and set free from our captivity, set free from being victims of death and sin and give us an avenue of reconciliation and be brought back into the heavenly family. We who aren't a people are now called the children of God, the people of God. And Jesus is saying, when you are coming to him, let that be the first step 
you remind yourself. In others, come with thanksgiving. Come with appreciation. Come with awe and say, what could I ever done to earn this? For me even to call you father, what could I have ever done? I didn't even know how much I was doomed. When I was still your enemy, you loved me. And you paid the ultimate price that you would win me to yourself. Even today, I'm not perfect. I don't even know how to love you adequately. But you have accepted me. That alone is the beginning of prayer, the beginning of a relationship. We come in thanksgiving. We come in debt to him. And we say, Lord, there's nothing I will ever, ever hold back from you. Because you deserve it all. You are worthy of my life. You are worthy of everything I am. And brother, when you come like that, everything begins to fall into perspective. Your problems become moles, not mountains. Your problems become trivialities. They are not big things. Because what he has done is the biggest thing in all creation. What he has done is the greatest thing in eternity. If he had not done it for you, there would be no hope. You wouldn't even be talking about those problems and challenges. You would have no one even to talk to. What he has done is greater than words can express. And there are no words we can ever use to say thank you enough. That's why in the book of Psalms it says, come into his courts with thanksgiving. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Praise him and know that he is God. That is what Jesus was teaching his disciples. So the beginnings of all that is Remember there is a relationship between you. Revive that relationship. Rekindle the fire of that relationship. And then the next step he says, Hallowed be your name. At one time I checked up the word hallowed. I went into the dictionaries. It was not there. So I had to go into other books that explain more. And eventually I got to an explanation that says to hallow. To halal is to separate from the common, separate from the ordinary, and exalt beyond measure. So God, Jesus is saying, when you come to the Father, come on, don't mix him up with your circumstances. Don't mix him up with your challenges. Don't even compare him with anything around you. Separate him. His name is above anything else you can ever think about. Separate him and then exalt him. Magnify his name far above any measure. Let him be enthroned on high. And you bow down in his presence. Let your problems, your challenges, your fears and your anxieties take the right perspective before him. They are nothing. They are nothing. And the Bible says, if God be on our side, who can stand against us? What can stand against us? Now, do you realize that the beginnings of the Lord's Prayer is not about asking anything. It's about doing something to our hearts that we may come in the right relationship and perspective with God. 
Because when we are alone in our storms, in our challenges, in our struggles, they seem so big, they seem like mountains, we seem like we are drowning and we are lost. And sometimes we go to God like that. Oh God, I'm dying. Look at this. Look at what is happening to me. I am finished. And that does not glorify God. So the Lord is teaching us, hey, before you pour out all your fears, all your anxieties, settle down. The Bible says, be still and know that I'm the Lord. Wait, wait a moment before you talk to me, before you talk to the Lord. Remember, who is he? And what is he compared to everything around me? He's my father. And he's my father by grace, by mercy, not by credit. I deserve nothing. I have to humble myself and come in debt to him. But who is he that I'm coming to? Oh my God, he is the one that is exalted far above everything. He's magnified. He's high, most high. He's from eternity to eternity. Before all these things were, he was. And after all, things are, all these things are done, he shall be. They are nothing could be compared to him. And you exalt him and you magnify him and you hallow his name. And eventually everything begins to fall in place. And you are, are there. He is there. You are here. Your problems are there. Before you even begin to talk to him and pray, he is there. You are here. The problems are there. Do you realize you have aligned yourself? Now you can begin to talk to him. And then the Lord says, now when you talk, begin to talk, before you tell him your needs, remember he is king of kings and Lord of lords. So let's pray and say, let your kingdom come. Let your government rule. Let the authority of your kingdom be established. And let all things be done. On earth as they are in heaven. Let your will be done. So before I ask you to do anything for me. Before I tell you how my problems are. I just want to say you are king. You reign on high. You made all things. You deserve the glory. They all belong to you. They should submit to you. You are the Lord. And I am affirming that you are my Lord. You are the Lord of my situation. You are the Lord of my circumstances. You are the Lord of this. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. And in that situation, in that moment, his words begin to pour out into your heart. The scriptures pour into your heart. And what are the scriptures there to do? To remind you of who he is and what his statutes, decrees, demands are. Lord, you ordained that man shall not be alone, but shall live together with his spouse, and they shall live in a family that glorifies you. Let your will be done. I declare that you are Lord even over my family. I declare you are Lord in my marriage. I declare you are Lord in my children. I declare you are Lord in our home. Before I even tell you what a, a quarrel we have with my wife, I declare your kingdom. In my home. I declare your will shall be done in my home. Before I talk to you about my nation, Malaysia, I want to say you have ordained that human society shall be in this way and shall be run this way. There shall not be injustice. There shall not be exploitation. There shall not be... 
this, this loading it over others. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your word says this, it shall be. It shall rain, it shall rain. You are not shaping your mind because of the problems behind you. You are shaping your mind because of him before you. And you're saying, let your kingdom come. I trust in your kingdom. I know that all other kingdoms will come to an end, but your kingdom shall reign forever and ever. You are from everlasting to everlasting, O oh God. And the Bible tells me in the book of Revelations, all the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God. Lord, I proclaim and I declare that all kingdoms shall be submitted to you. You reign on high. And do you know what that does to you? It begins to lift up your faith. It begins to lift up your expectation. If you came in downcast, if you came in depressed, if you came in feeling lost and defeated and uh, completely consumed, as you are declaring the truth about God, the truth about his kingdom, the truth about his will, and that his kingdom shall reign forever and ever, that nothing shall ever, ever defeat him, that his will shall be done, suddenly your faith begins to rise up. Suddenly you realize, I am on the winning side. Not by power, nor by might, but by the grace that he has given me. I belong to him who is the victorious one. I belong to the conqueror. I belong on the winning side. Suddenly you feel your spirit begin to bubble inside of you. You begin to rejoice even when you don't have answers to your problems. Even when you don't have answers to your challenges. You begin to rejoice because you are on the winning side. And you proclaim and say, Lord, even in this matter, let your kingdom come. Even in that matter, let your will be done. Even in this relationship, let your will be done. Even in this interview I'm going to face tomorrow, let your will be done and let the kingdom come. Glorify your, your name, O oh God. Be exalted in this situation. I know that you sit on high and your glory shall be manifest in this situation. I shall praise you, my God. It shall raise up your holy name. The nations will look and see. The people will hear of your goodness and your mercy to your loved ones. By that, you are already opening up your heart. He's already ministering to you. He's changing you. He's building you up. He's comforting you. He's strengthening you. And then, after thy will be done, what comes next? Give us this day, our daily bread. That's when he says, okay, tell me, what are your needs? Daily bread is not just food to eat. You remember that? woman who came to Jesus asking for healing and Jesus said the food of the children shall not be given to the dogs. Healing was food according to Jesus. So when, he, when we pray for our daily bread, it's not just the food we eat, it's every need in our lives. To us it is bread from above. Healing, joy, peace, success, breakthrough, all that is bread. After you've established him, you've established his kingdom, he is unchallengeable. Then you begin to talk to him and say, Father, will you now do this for me? I need this in my life. And I need this in my life. And you're not asking because you're begging. You're asking because he knows you need it and he's willing to provide. 
He says, ask, it shall be given. Seek, you shall find. Knock, the door shall be opened. So you are not coming in a beggar spirit. You're not coming like a beggar asking, will you please help me? You're coming in and saying, Lord, I rejoice to know that you are pleased to bless me. You are pleased to bless me and to make me successful in life. You know, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah chapter 29 from verse 11, it says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. They are not thoughts of evil or defeat, but they are thoughts of hope to bring you to the desired end. Therefore, you shall go and pray unto me, and I, you will call unto me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. How do you feel when you're coming before God who says, look, I have thoughts about you and they are not thoughts of evil. They are not thoughts of defeat. They are not, thoughts, they are not negative. My thoughts are for hope. My thoughts are to bring you to the desired end. My thoughts are to bring you to destiny. My thoughts are to bring you to victory. My thoughts are to bring you to that place you are dreaming about. And all I want is come, talk to me, ask me. Pray to me. I will listen to you. I promise you. I will listen to you. And I promise you, when you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, you'll find me. Do you realize that the journey we are walking in the Lord's prayer is not only helping you tell God what you need, it's building you up. It's building your faith. It's building your expectation. And it's building your relationship. And now you can talk to him like a child talking to the dad who loves her. Have you ever seen a child with a dad or a mom? Says, mommy, can I do this? Mommy says, no, don't do that. Okay. Uh, mommy, can I do this? She enjoys the relationship. Even when mommy says no, she says, okay. Now, okay, mommy, can I do this? Because she feels secure. She feels loved. She feels it's, she's in her right. And when she's, even when the mother says no, she doesn't feel like, oh my God, I'm lost. I'm defeated. I don't know what I'm going to be. She says, okay, what about this? That's the way we should be coming to the Lord. And as I said in the beginning, it's a relationship. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Amen. Now, after we've poured out our needs, give us this day our daily bread. What next? And take us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Every one of us has got areas that the Lord is still working on. We all have areas that are still being redeemed. We are born again. We belong to him. We are saved. Yet you and I know there are areas that are not yet where they need to be. There are areas which are not yet strong, where we are still weak. Areas where we can easily succumb to temptation where we can easily fail and we say to the Lord Lord do not take me into those situations where you know I cannot stand do not let me go where you know I don't have the resolve 
Sometimes I may not even realize. I may think I'm going to this direction, but what is waiting for me, I don't know. Do not let it happen. You are my shepherd. You are the one who watches over me. You you are the one who knows what is in the future when I don't know it. Do not take me into those situations you know I will let you down. I'll betray you. I will betray your trust. I will not be able to stand. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to grieve you. I don't want to fail you, Lord. So do not take me into temptation. And even when the enemy lays a trap for me, when the enemy is scheming for me and puts barricades all around me and sends evil men and women around me to to woo me, to seduce me into those traps, deliver me from the evil one, Lord. Deliver me from the evil one. I trust you, Lord. You are my savior. You are my redeemer, the rock of my salvation. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus would teach us a prayer that takes care of all those areas of our lives? And we can trust ourselves into him. The Bible says, cast your burdens unto the Lord, for he cares for you. And this is where we cast our burdens. And you can even tell him, Lord, I know in my own self I'm so weak. If you allow me to go into that, I don't know how I'll come out. I wouldn't be surprised if I failed but I trust you. I cast my burden unto you. I cast myself unto you. I trust myself in your hands. Lord, you said those who are in your hand, nobody can pluck them out. I trust myself into your hands. Hallelujah. And then he ends up by saying, and then all of crown up everything by saying, for thine is the glory. Thine is the kingdom. And thine is the power forever and ever. It's another way of rejoicing because you are the king of kings. You are the lord of lords. Everything to you is possible. There's nothing impossible to you. The power is yours. The glory is yours. The kingdom is yours. I can trust you. I can walk like a victorious person. I can walk like a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. I am more than a conqueror. And you who began the good work in me, I know you're going to finish it. It's you who called me it's you who will work so i'm supposed to finish my prayer on a high note a a note of celebration a note of victory a note of rejoicing a note where i say it's not about me it's not about my power it's not about my ability it's not by power nor by might it's by the spirit of the living god and i don't have to pay for that jesus paid for it and he has given it to me as an inheritance and a legacy. And do you know what he says? Jesus said in John chapter 15, Abide in me, and my words abide in you. Then you'll ask anything you want, and it shall be given to you. This is good and pleasing unto my Father, who wants you to bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Wow. Wow, what more assurance do we need in prayer? He says, abide in me, stay with me. Don't deviate from me. Don't deviate from my words. Abide in me and my words abide in you. Then ask, ask whatever you want. Go ahead, ask. It shall be given to you. 
And not only that, my father rejoices when, he, when that happens. When you ask and receive, he rejoices. Why? Because then you are equipped, facilitated to go and bear fruit. And your fruit shall remain. And that glorifies the father. It's a win-win situation. It's a win for you. It's a win for Jesus. It's a win for the father. Come on. Who wouldn't like that? Do you realize, brethren, how much deception the devil makes out? Making prayer undesirable to most believers. They don't have time to pray. They don't have time to spend with God. They feel like it's a duty. It's a burden. And they miss out on this wonderful, wonderful experience with God. They miss out on this relationship with God. They miss out on the opportunity to be changed into the image of God. They miss out on this joy. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. They miss out on this. And they go through life more impressed about their challenges, their struggles, and the world's pressure more than they are impressed about the almighty, most high God, who is our Father. Our Father. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Glory to God. We give you praise. We give you praise, O oh God. Let me wind up our sharing today with a scripture that I believe will bless you if you keep it in your mind. It's in the book of Psalms. It is said that this is the shortest chapter in the whole Bible. The shortest is Psalms 100. It's only five verses. But all those five verses are telling us a summary of what I've just been sharing with you. How to come into the presence of God and establish fellowship. In verse 1, it says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Hallelujah. He's saying, come on, when you are coming to the Lord, hey, do not come in depression. Do not come in a subdued manner. Do not come in like an unworthy person. Come in because it's not you who has made yourself what you are. He has made you what you are by the blood of the Lamb. He has paid for you. He values you. Show him that you appreciate it. So make a joyful shout to the Lord. I was in Orlando and I was with a team of people who were hungry for God. And they had been seeking God with prayer and fasting. And they were really one bunch of people that were really hungry but also very miserable. They looked it. 
They sounded it and they felt it. Do you know why they are miserable? They were overwhelmed by their sense of inadequacy. By their sense of, we are not holy enough. We are not good enough. Oh, look at all this filth inside of us. Oh, God, I don't know what to do. So when we got together and we said, let's pray. Let's just come before the Lord. Immediately they began to pray and you could hear them say, oh, God, we are unworthy. Please have mercy upon us. Allow us to come in. And this one is wonderful. I love repentance. I cannot do without repentance. I love repentance and I love humility and I love brokenness before the Lord. But that's not how we come into his presence. The moment they began to pray, I felt like, oh, the whole atmosphere was being dampened in depression, in hopelessness, in negativity, and in self-condemnation. And I'm the last person to say we should ignore our state. I am always encouraging people, we should open up to the Lord and allow the light to shine on us and we should bring repentance and cleansing. But when we are coming into his presence, that's not the primary thing that we need to focus upon. We need to focus upon who he is and what he has done for us and who we are to him and come with thanksgiving. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Now, I remember I was in Israel one day and a, a Jewish speaker was ministering to us and he was el elaborating on the word praise. I don't even remember the Jewish word. He said there are different words in, Jew in Hebrew that mean praise, that are translated as praise. But he took one of them and he began to explain it. And he said, this particular word means speak the truth about God. Proclaim the truth about God. If God is good, he's good. Whether you feel good or you don't feel good. If God is loving, he's loving. Whether you feel loved or you don't feel loved. If God is holy, he's holy. Even when you don't understand what he's doing to you. So it's not about your feelings, it's not about your state, it's not about your situation. It's about him. That's where we start. And we proclaim and say, you are worthy. You are almighty. You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. You are loving God. You are a long-suffering God. You are patient, oh Lord. And you are just. It's not about what I'm feeling. It's about who he is. And I proclaim the truth. And I proclaim the truth. That's why when we come to church, we don't ask you whether you're in the mood to sing and dance. We simply say, let us come before him and bring praises to him. Because that's what he's worthy. It doesn't matter how you feel. He deserves the praises. Let us come before him with singing. But as we do that, the truth, remember Jesus said, continue ye in the word. You will know the truth. The truth will set you free. So when we are proclaiming truth about God, truth has got a way of unraveling what is bound up inside of us. What is intertwined inside of us. Suddenly it begins to unravel. It begins to be sorted out. And eventually you begin to feel you are enlightened. You are 
you are lifted high and you begin to talk to him and you say, yes, you are good. Yes, you are worthy. Yes, you are blessed. Oh my God, I bless your holy name and I exalt you. I rejoice in you because of who you are. And suddenly the depression you came with, the, the downcast sense you came with is beginning to fall away. Like a coat of Batmawas, you throw it away and you begin to rejoice in the Lord. That's why we do not come because we focus on ourselves. When we are coming into his presence, we focus on him. And when we focus on him, he has a way of ministering to us. So, he says, know that the Lord is good and it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pastures. Then it says again, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Remind yourself what goodness he has already given you when you don't deserve it. And say, Lord, I thank you for this. And I thank you. And as you keep thanking him, you realize, oh my God, I am in debt to this, my God. I need to be good to him. I need to bless him. I need to do good. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's give God a mighty hand of praise. Thank you, Jesus. As we are going to pray, I want to ask you, don't you think you need to invest more in prayer? Don't you think you need to cultivate your prayer life? Grow it? Yes, having heard what we shared today doesn't mean that it's going to change overnight. But you've got to cultivate it. You've got to work on it. Patiently, come back to the Lord and say, I know there is good in prayer for me. I know there's a benefit for me. Even when I don't feel like praying, I want to wait upon you because I know the benefits that are in prayer. Amen. I pray that today will be an added brick on the wall that is building your relationship with God. And that you'll be men and women who know their God. Because the Bible says the people who know their God shall be strong. And they shall work exploits. Please rise up and let us come before the Lord.